I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Let's go back to 2011 with Squidge. Let's look at the World Cup again with Squidge. Hello and welcome to the Squidge Rugby World Cup Retrospective, the rugby podcast that officially has a longer day layoff period than Namibia does because we get a full week. We are here as ever. My name is Robbie or Squidge. I am joined once again by... Elios Afurmanisopoulou. I am going to constantly <laughs> complain about the fact that we only get a week off when it should be a month. The, I mean, I was going to blame the IRB, but it's not the mm. world governing body's fault. It's our own. We just put this out because there's, I guess, I was going to say demand. Nobody actually wants to listen mm. to this. It's just people, basically, you know how we have the team of lawyers? My name's Will Owen, by the way. Uh, you know, if the team I of thought lawyers... you were, sorry, sorry, right. Sorry, Eliotta, what's going on? I've just legally changed my name. Again, we have you lawyers. You changed your name legally, it's but very you did play for Samoa in the 2011 I did, World Cup. I did. Yeah. And you did infamously that weird dropout. Yes, I once. did. I did. Yeah. Where I threw the ball in it. Yeah, that, that thing. Yeah, that was That me. mad dummy. Yeah. yeah, that was all me. Oh, right. I need to establish this. Is Eliotte Farnsavalu one of the lawyers we refer to on the Zoom call? Oh, that's an interesting I've point. never checked. Because well, he's a qualified lawyer. Yeah. I need to know also, can he check in turn if the lawyers are all racist? <laughs> I was going to say, because we've referenced before in previous episodes about the fact that Conrad Smith and Alan Jones are both qualified lawyers. Yes. And I think we have, I think it's canon that they're not in there. But is for one of That's... They're... I think he was in there, then he fell out with the other lawyers. Yeah, I think so we've only got 17 He fell out with like 20 now. of the 23. Yeah. yeah, 22 others. Yeah, so he fell out with them. He punched one of them. So that one's in A&E. Yeah. It's a whole thing. It's yeah. it's it's a real, real nightmare. I say he, this is on me. Um, yes. Because I, I Eliotta Fuanisipolo, formally, uh, legally changed my name because I'm a lawyer. So I can do that very easily because that's how law works. <laughs> You can, it, basically, if you're a lawyer, you can do what you want very easily and there are no legal repercussions. That's how it works. <laughs> Absolutely. The remarkable thing is that that man who grew up speaking, you know, a different language as a as a first language speaks with a Midlands accent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's I'm very versatile. However, and please, please, I am Will Owen now, you know, that's that's cool. Okay. A, a, okay. That's in my, that's my past, you know, the time that was my previous yeah, yeah. life when I did that weird sure, kickoff sure. in the 2007 like World Cup. Yeah. I am basically yeah. Prince. Yeah. I'm, I'm basically, like, you know how many times David Bowie reinvented himself? Yeah, That's exactly. effectively what I have done, you know. Like, remember the time when I scored that try where I touched the ball like six times against Bath, maybe, for Gloucester? Yeah, sure. that was yeah. that was my past life. I don't really talk about it anymore, but, you know... Anyway, from what I was saying okay. is that we've obviously got a lot of lawyers. <laughs> However, the lawyers, also... the lawyers are the equivalent of the spiders from Mars. Yes, they are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We also have a bunch of employees who play this podcast, and basically they just play it in really big headphones and put it on people's ears in the streets. When you, no, when you say play this podcast, we also have the team of actors who recreate everything we say yes. dramatically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kate Blanchett's one of them now, actually. Oh, is she? Yeah. Huh. yeah. 
That's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, Twice Academy Award winner, Kate Blanchett. Yeah, I did think I saw her hanging out with Carly Rae in the backstage yeah. before we start recording this. They get on so Amazing. well. It's yeah. it's unlike it's one of those things that you wouldn't have thought. You wouldn't put those two together, but the moment you hear their friends, you go like, Oh that makes sense. I bet sure. they'd get on. Yeah. Carly yeah. Rae Jepsen and Kate Blanchett. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. And, you know, all of the many rugby players that we've referenced probably are listening to this. Oh, yeah. I mean, P-Money we've had on the podcast. I mean, he unfortunately couldn't make it backstage today because he's in prison. But, you know, whatever. But yeah. Hey, hey, as friend of the pod, Jamie Ward tagged us in, P-Money and Scribe are doing a reunion concert in December. Oh, yes. They're doing a gig together. Of course. Yeah, genuinely. Like, if. Oh, wait, no, it's in December. That's next month. Never mind. Mm. We've still got a pandemic going on. I would say Pod Social, because I'd love to go, but. Alas. <laughs> one day. One day we'll get the chance. This has been almost entirely in jokey and weird. Yeah. Um, we should probably introduce the idea. Not that I mind it, but. Um, As I say, no one chooses today. to listen to this podcast. There's just people no, it's, putting it's shoved on their on ears. Yeah. Slash, they're just massive fans of Kate Blanchett. Yeah. And I want to see our latest work. Today, the idea with this podcast is we're supposed to talk about Wales 81, Namibia 7. Yeah. This was a game of rugby played during the 2011 Rugby World Cup. Mm-hmm. It was Wales' third game. However, this was Namibia's final game of the World Cup. It was. It's a They're sad the first goodbye. team we have to wave goodbye to. Yeah. Is it, Namibia. It's a shame. And especially, like, there's something quite telling about, like, their team selection. Not to quickly segue into that, but... Mm. You can tell that they've wanted to give everybody who's not yet had a game a go. So, like, on the bench, yeah. like, there's a few players, like, David Philander goes on to be a pretty good player, plays them in the 2015 World Cup, and maybe mm. 2019? I can't remember. And, like, there's a player on the bench called Waka Kazon Blaze, uh, or Waka, nice. Waka Kazon Blase, maybe. Like, he sounds like he should be friends with Kate Blanchett as well. Why? I don't know. It just seems like some kind of, like, big. Hollywood star kind of like alias kind of name, you know? I don't know about that. Waka Kazon Blaze sounds like a tribe king in the Muppets. <laughs> Maybe that's it. I say it's some kind of Hollywood alias. It's Fossy Bear's alias. <laughs> hey, Bear. No, it doesn't work. Never it's mind. his other life on. as an arsonist. Because Blaze. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, I'm glad we clarified that. Good, good. You've completely thrown me off track there. Um, Shall we mention the teams? And you say Namibia made some changes, but they've still got largely a strong. You know, I think this is not far their strongest team. They've yeah, got that sure. that back row. We'll get onto Team Duplicy as we go on. Yeah. Um, Jacques Berger starts, yeah. and I remember before ITV's coverage watching this game live, him saying, "You know, if we don't beat Wales, I want to give them a really good game," which is a nice of him. And him smiling and grinning as he did it. But also there's that kind of attitude throughout Namibia. You know, they're, they're here not to make up the numbers. It's not like Canada saying no. we're just happy to be here last year. Um, it's But there's something of like, we want to give the opposition a good game rather than we want to beat them. Yeah, yeah. He, he never discounted the idea of beating them, you know. Good time to sure. get your first ever Rugby World Cup win is in your final game against Wales. But yeah. And like, I remember Ed Fairhurst, who was the Canada scrum off at this World Cup, yes. in the lead up saying, uh, if we don't win it, I think New Zealand will. <laughs> Which is, I love that as a showdown. Yeah. I love that, A, I love him backing himself, but also having a level of realism about it. Just somewhere between optimism and defeatism. I love it. Yes. You can somehow yeah, exactly. fall into both in the Venn diagram. Which is exactly what you want from Canadian, or you expect from Canadian rugby. Yeah. So yeah, so Namibia do have at 10, Tynes Kotzer, our, 
our favourite, the the hero himself, who kind of guttingly, I mean, he doesn't get many opportunities to drop goals in this game. Yeah, it's a shame. He does but have a couple of cracks at penalties, but... He has two long-range penalty shots, yeah. both of them when the Mibia are upwards of 20 points down. Yeah. And he just goes, Woo, you know, we're within 60 minutes, I'm having a crack, I'm having a go, lads. Uh, and they go... You're right, Tunis. You crack on, mate. Uh, by the way, this is just me thinking of ideas for this podcast on the fly while we're recording. Mm-hmm. At the end of this, shall we sort of do a quick overview on like our favourite players from Namibia in this World Cup? Or something like end that. End of this episode? Yeah. Yeah, it's their final. Yeah, it's their final let's hurrah. Okay, we're, we're we'll come on like, to that. Yeah, a, a leaving do for Namibia in, at the end of this episode. <laughs> sure, sure. Okay. The Wales team, however, is largely changed from the teams that played Samoa and South Africa, which were unchanged for those two games. But they do, they keep in kind of a spine of first choice players. Sure. In order to, or experienced players at least. Um, so Sam Warburton starts, Talibé Falatel starts, John Davis starts. They then have like Stephen Jones comes in, who is second choice at this point, but has oh, 100 yeah. caps. Ryan you know, Jones, are, Lee Byrne yeah. both come in. Alan Wynne Jones Jenkins. starts. Yeah, Geffen Jenkins comes back from injury to play. Yeah. So they have this kind of core of important players. And they do, the moment they get the bonus point, bring them off. Yes. So yeah. the moment the bonus point try is scored, Sam Warburton comes off. Uh, John Davis plays the rest of the game, but you kind of have like this this sudden changing. You know, Geffen comes off not long after. Uh, they just go, no, nope, no, nope, we're, we're done. We'll, we'll move on. This there is how is, this is happening. There's also something very fun about when Wales are already 50 points up, then bringing on like the first choice players like, Reese Priestland and George North, and they're just coming on and just utterly yeah. taking the piss. And there's something <laughs> great about that, which we're all. And they also like Falatau comes off, and they move Alan Winter six because Alan Wynne Jones is completely indestructible, yeah. and they don't want to risk Falatau or Warburton getting injured, so they play a back row of Ryan Jones at seven, uh, Andy Powell at eight, and Alan Wynne Jones at six. Yeah, which is there's no balance to it, but I love it. No, yeah, for sure, it's just three big lads who will just <laughs> hit anything. So it's a very functional back row in this game, I think, when your team's already going very very far forward. So, absolutely. We, right, so before the game kicks off, and I think there was an assumption largely that Wales will win this comfortably. Yeah, Namibia had a four day turnaround from their previous game. Crikey, which is absurd. Yeah, I don't know why Daryl Dollahart wasn't speaking up about this on Twitter, but <laughs> I know. Well, do you know how long there was between their first and last game? How long? Fourteen days. Wow. They played them in just over two weeks. It's also kind of funny that we've been doing this podcast for like six months and we're like two and a half weeks into the tournament. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, we, we've barely worked. Um, and yeah, because they played in the second game of the tournament. Yeah. And then from there, third, or third game, third game of the tournament. Yeah. <laughs> Give them credit. And then they're done by game 28, 29. I've got both of those slightly wrong. <laughs> but matter. yeah, it's... It it, it doesn't matter. No one's listening. I feel I really feel for Namibia. They are Cape Blanchett fans. I really feel for Namibia because things are really stacked against them. However, however, I want to throw up a stat that I don't know which version of the game you you watched. Where mm-hmm. what commentary you had? I watched the. I had the Australian commentary. I had Gordon Bray commentating. Yes, the word feed version it was on YouTube. Yes, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. I began watching that. I then switched back to watch. ITV at some point because mm-hmm. that copy keeps looping certain points. Oh god, that was really that. annoying. There was yeah. like time loop bits yeah. where it was just over and over going. It go. told me we know about half penny. We know about half penny. We know about we half, know penny. half penny. Inside inside ball. We know about half penny. Inside ball. We know about half penny. Inside yeah. ball. We know about half penny. And like if the comment, yeah. the, the, I looked in the comments for that video and it says like I know we know about half penny. Shut up. 
there's another bit at the end of the game after Lee Burns try, uh, you know, right towards the end, where the commentators start talking about halfway, and I think they're looping because it just keeps saying the same things over and over to each other. But huh. he's a very good, solid player. He doesn't make mistakes. He can play fullback. And the next one goes, he's a very good, solid player. He doesn't make mistakes. He can play fullback. And the next one says, he's a very good, solid player. He can play fullback and he doesn't make mistakes. <laughs> so there's some variety. Fair play. Fair play. Good commentary. Uh, but no, my favourite moment uh, from the start of the commentary, because as I said, I switched between that and the ITV commentary, uh, where they had Michael Owen, who might be the most boring man in Wales. <laughs> and let me tell you, there is some competition for that title. But he, Gordon Bray introduces the game, saying that Namibia only has a population of 2.3 million. And from there, they only have 1.2 million registered players. Which is more than half their population, according to Gordon Bray, are registered rugby players. That can't which I don't be know. Right. He's, he's got that massively wrong. That more than half the Namibian population, this includes the elderly, this includes children, this includes women, this includes everyone, are 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 are, are registered rugby players. And they've never won a rugby world cup match, despite the fact that fifty percent, like of of every, like right, if you live in Namibia, right? Yeah. Of everybody you meet, there is a fifty percent chance they play rugby. Yeah, they currently play rugby yeah, as well. Yeah, that's how it works. Yeah, yeah. yeah, are currently registered. Yeah, so that include you know like what statistically one of your two grandparents will play rugby <laughs> in Namibia. That's a really interesting point. Yeah, I mean it's it's clearly not true. Yeah, no, it clearly no, sure. slipped up on the numbers somewhere, but also it definitely is true. Yeah, no, no, it's true. It's canon. Yeah, so, in the Squid Rugby World Cup retrospective cinematic universe. Um, yes. How many lawyers in Namibian? Uh, I mean, do we have Gordon Bray to offer up some stats on what percentage of people in the world are Namibian? Yes. Hello, it's me, Gordon Bray. Here we go. Seeing some stats on the Namibians. Uh, you've just brought back an incredibly traumatic memory about Gordon Bray. Rugby 04. Rugby 04. Rugby 04. Should we talk about let's, Gordon Bray's let's talk about Rugby 04? So, Rugby 04. The video game. We had this on PC and like we were probably playing it, to be honest, not long before this Rugby World Cup happened mm. because there wasn't the Rugby World Cup 2011 game and we just wanted something to play. And we couldn't yeah. even play against each other. We were just One of us would play, the other one would sit over the shoulders and we'd just swap at half-time or play a game, yeah. one-on-one half, whatever, because we enjoyed watching even fake rugby that much. <laughs> John Inverdale was the main commentator and I think we've spoken about this before on a previous episode that like, you know, his... No, comment- new. Yeah. Scores the try a spot-on impersonation. And on the back, it said, commentary comes from John Inverdale and Gordon Bray. And we didn't know who Gordon Bray was at this point. Nope. We did end up looking him up and finding out that he was nicknamed the voice of rugby, much like Bill In Australia. Yeah. Yes. However, there was just one point when we were playing the game for probably a couple of months by this point, mm. and one of us had pressed the kill the ball and give away a cynical penalty button. It was probably me. Like that was that's the sort of thing I do when playing rugby games. I do that all the time. I, I, as yeah, you can attest oh, no, to. that's true. Actually, yeah, you are more likely to do that. And the referee calls over the player <laughs> and starts telling them off by just weirdly shaking his hand. And like, I can't really. I'm gesturing it's to you. Horrifying. Right now. Yeah, you. It's hard to do justice to in audio, but he pulls this kind of horrible face. That's like it's like something in a horror film. When you see someone possessed and they pull this kind of really unanimated face, yeah. which is sort of a smile that's unnerving. And he stretches his arm out completely straight and just starts waving it slightly from side to side. And I think we could both probably quote Gordon Bray's commentary. What he always says over that when you're getting told off by the referee, word for word. 
Do you want to do this? Go on. No, go on, go on. He more or less says, Well, this is one of the great mysteries of the game of rugby union. The back row. Back row. Except an Australian accent. But it doesn't even sound like it, because obviously the computer's muffled his voice so badly yeah. that it doesn't sound like Gordon Gray at all. He then keeps go. So he then... Because it's not like most sports games will have a couple of lines of commentary. Yeah. They'll have like a line where they'll go... The back, one of the true mysteries of the game is the back row. And then Johnny Evans will go, yes, that was a cynical penalty to give away, Gordon. Yeah. Except it isn't. There's like a, there's like a soliloquy. Yeah. Where Gordon Bray goes on. Of each of the three back row positions and their roles. And it's a solid like two paragraphs he reads out. Yeah. And it will cut it off mid-sentence if you skip the cutscene of the referee telling you off. But if you don't, it will play in full. And yeah. there will be like three minutes of Gordon Bray explaining the Seven's job is to get over the ball and try to slow it down or turn it over. Meanwhile, the referee stood here support. really creepily looking at you and shaking his, his hand at you. Pulling the same face. Yeah, until and Gordon Bray's finished his yeah. yeah, they're not disturbed by the referee that stood pulling the same face, shaking their hand with arm fully outstretched like a bloody Nazi salute. Tilting their hands slightly, like it's like how the queen waves, you know. <laughs> yes, that kind of. Uh, that's what the referee is doing with its hand. The queen is doing a royal wave with her arm completely straight out in front of them. It's very creepy. I, yeah, it is. It is. You can't really do it justice. No, no. There's so much in rugby four that I always want to talk about because it's so ingrained in my memory. Yeah, yeah. We need to revisit and that someday. We do. We do. We should do something on that. Yeah, for sure. We should. I think I got. I think I bought a copy of it on PS2. Yeah, so we probably do a, well, a video we, on we this. We bought basically this every rugby game that's ever existed, didn't we? With yeah. the intention of one day doing something on this. So I feel like this is this is the birth of something. Yes, we had. Actually, I don't know. I might as well mention it. We were due to, but it got cancelled due to COVID. Mm. We were going to do a thing. We went up to Glasgow and played against Hugh Jones was definitely in, yeah. and a bunch of other Glasgow players at rugby video games. But it all fell through. It didn't happen in the end, which is a shame. Hopefully, it'll happen again one day. Yeah, but alas, alas, it didn't. Um, should we move back onto this game? Yeah, sure. I, d- I don't know how we got that far off track, but yeah. Anything more you saying about Gordon Bray there, or do you want to just? There is, as they introduce, we should mention the referee, the most yes. handsome man in the world. Oh my god, Steve Walsh. Steve Walsh. He is glorious and beautiful. Yeah, Gordon Bray does refer to him as being formerly from Waikato. <laughs> because he's obviously re-qualified to be yeah. an Australian now. I think Aliasa Fulmanasapolu helped him change his identity to Steve Walsh yes. from Melbourne rather than Steve Walsh from Waikato. <laughs> if only he was Steve Walsh from Winhoek, because then he would be technically a rugby player. That's true. That's true. Well, that's Unless he's one of the other 50%. Yeah. yeah one, in, one in two. Yeah. But no, it was very good to see Steve again. I've missed him very much. Mm. maybe that's why he always looks at the screen because he thinks it's somebody else that's really handsome up there rather than himself <laughs> he's trying to work out if it's him or evil Steve who doesn't play rugby yeah the, other, the Namibian maybe there's two Steve there's a Steve Walsh from New Zealand a Steve Walsh from Australia and it's like the point. prestige yeah. like he had to kill the other Steve in order to oh yeah so he's take watching over. him yeah, yeah. He's, he's always watching over his shoulder in case the other Steve Walsh appears and kills yeah. him. Do you think it's the like Steve from Melbourne or Steve from Moicato? Do you think it's like the um, like a weeping angel? Like when he appears on sure. the screen, 
uh, that he becomes a weeping he angel. You can't see him. Yeah, exactly. No, he's just so always he checking. He's just always checking. Like he's if, just he could be anywhere. It's like yeah. it follows. Like he, the other Steve Walsh follows behind very slowly, trying to catch up with him and not give a forward pass. If you stop looking at Steve Walsh, he becomes like ever so slightly less handsome. So he, you have to always look at him. It's why when he retired and he went into just business, he was so vague because what he's actually gone into is hunting down terrifying creatures <laughs> from the Never Realm. He's actually trying to hunt down his alternate self, who has been tracking him for years, and he managed to finally overthrow and take over when he became an Australian. However, however, he little does he know, they're still hunting him down. The Steve Walsh Chronicles on NBC this Thursday. We miss you, Steve. Desperately. I hope your business is going well. Yeah. One other, one other Gordon Bray moment from quite near the start of the game. Uh, do you know what I'm about to refer to? Yeah, I do. Go on. Is it to do with Tavis Noyle? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Okay, okay. Do you want? Do you want to crack on? So, Tavis Noyle does a box kick, <laughs> which is a very innocent moment. And Gordon Bray says, "Tavis Noyle, his father Brynmore Williams toured with the Lions in 1971 or 1969." Spoilers: Gordon Bray got dick of the day for that for me. <laughs> I was going to save that back, but um, okay, sorry, was, no, sorry, no, no, okay, not at all, on. not at all. But yeah. Like, he's not even factored in the fact that Wales' replacement scrum half's last name is Williams. And also, I know. looks identical to Brynmore Williams. Yeah. <laughs> for anyone that doesn't... So Lloyd Williams comes off the bench for his second cap. Yeah. Who is Brynmore Williams' son. His real son. Yeah, Brynmore... And, yeah. Uh, and as you say, looks so much like him. The resemblance yeah. is so strong. And they're basically the same player, if you ever go back and watch sure. rugby from the, you know, 70s. Unless uh, there's Williams, something we kinda... don't know about Brynmore and yes. who Tavis is, you know... And Tavis's mother, or whatever. I don't. I don't want to make any more. Um, There's know. no way Tavis Noyle's father is present. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that man. He's not a man with a strong male role model in his life. Let's let's talk about Tavis Noyle because I mean, <laughs> let's. this. I'm aware that we have a lot of listeners who are from outside of the UK. I say listeners. Sure. We have employees putting headphones on people outside of the UK. This is an international <laughs> mission. Kate Blanchett, Australian actress. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So Wales. Genuinely had a scrum half whose name was Tavis Noyle and remains Tavis Noyle. And he still plays yes. rugby to this day. But, uh, yeah, to be honest, I don't think I need to say anything more. His name is Tavis Noyle. Yeah, so... Not Travis, Tavis. So Tavis Noyle, yeah. I remember there was an interview with him on Scrum 5 when he was first coming through, where just before this World Cup, where he... I think we might have mentioned this in another Yeah, bit. I think we mentioned this when we were talking with um, yeah. Ben James, yeah. Yeah, where he referred to forwards as not being very bright <laughs> uh, and you've got to tell him what to do. And he said that the name Tavis means son of David, and his father's called Di, so he named him. Of course. So his, name, his dad's not called um, Brimmore, after all. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, the only the only thing we do know about his father. Do you want something? I was looking up Tavis Noyle. You know, I was just like having a bit of a Google about him. Sure. Uh, you know, he turned 30 during lockdown. What? Tavis Noyle's only 30. Because he's one of these players that you feel like, God, he's been around forever. But do you want to hit the Ospreys team on the game where he made his debut? Go on, go on. So Tavis Noyle is famously one of only three players to play for all four Welsh regions in the right. traditional era. Yeah, of course. The Ospreys team, he played one game for the Ospreys. He didn't mm-hmm. touch the ball. He made one tackle. That is his contribution to the Ospreys. But the team, the starting 15 when he started, when he came off the bench rather, was yeah. Lee Byrne, Tommy Bow, James Hook, Andrew Bishop, Shane Williams, Dan Bigger, Mike Phillips, Duncan Jones, Hugh Bennett, Adam Jones, Filippo Levy, Samoa captain wow. at the time, Alan Wynne Jones, Marty Holler, Tom Smith, if anyone remembers him, yeah. and Ryan Jones, captain. 
On the bench, Paul James, Ian Goff, Philo Tiatia, John Evans, Brad Gareth Owen, and Tavis Noyle. It tails off a bit towards the end. To be fair, but... what a team, but also that team is ancient, and he has got to be ancient. Yeah, but like, there are players who retired 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, while you, you were rattling that off, I've just done a quick search. There are three people in Wales with the name Tavis. Really? Yeah. There are 2,195 people in the world called Tavis. Right. Do we know the other? Do we know who the other Tavises are in Wales? I'm afraid not in Wales. It's most prevalent in the United States and the highest density in Montserrat. Okay, cool. It's good to know. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, there's 24 people called Tavis in Russia. There's a fun fact for nice. you. Nice. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, Tavis Noyle. Yeah. So we haven't talked about Tavis Noyle, the rugby player. Yeah, sure. So he was kind of billed as this nice mix between Mike Phillips and a more traditional scrum off. In that he wasn't tall like Phillips, but he was quite physical, he was quite well built. We were desperate, And he would kind of like to do that. I know. He liked to do that kind of Mike Phillips thing and engaging around the fringes and offloading and so on. But he he could just pass off the base. Yeah. He wasn't picking it up and trying to start a fight every time he got involved. And in this game, we saw the limitations of having a scrum half who who likes to do things but doesn't quite know what he's supposed to do. Like the, the the thing I got from Tavis Noyle, and it, it's a while since I watched him, and I think at the time I was just so sick of Mike Phillips yeah. in the lead of this World Cup. And obviously Mike Phillips has a brilliant World Cup, and you kind of forgive him for, for sure. after yeah. that. But I was just desperate for Tavis to come in, because he was sort of the next best yeah, player too. on form for the yeah. regions and so on. Um, Tavis Noyle is everything you hate about scrum halves. <laughs> in the, he's clear, all of those things you go, I bloody hate scrum halves. All the things that they do... That aren't necessarily problems, but you go like he's clearly an annoying, snipey little. Prick. Yeah, a bit of a gobshite, isn't he? And clearly, that's yeah. how he got a nine jersey in the first place. Clearly, not that bright, but thinks the word of himself. Yeah, is you know always seems to be always involved, and yet isn't actually doing a lot. Every criticism you could possibly level with a like a normal bog standard scrum off really, really stands out about Tavis. Didn't he once get a red card for Gloucester for lamping a second row forward? Yeah, 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 yeah. That. That came up when I was searching him. Mm. Uh, he got a four-match ban for a punch to the face. He's a charming presence, is Tavis Noyle. Yeah. One of my favourite bits of commentary of all time was, I think it might have been Greg Clark, it was one of the Australian commentators, uh, which is honestly, it's like it's like infinite monkey syndrome, him saying something great. Sure. But a winger getting sent off for a punch for ten minutes, and he's saying it's a winger punch, it's only be worth five minutes. <laughs> And I get a oh, bit yeah, of that true. with a scrum half punch. Yeah. You know, it's like, you only get four weeks for a punch. Yeah. Should be eight. Yeah. But who cares? I respect that. He yeah. also, of course, played centre for the Blues in a European semi-final. Yeah, this is... That's a very... We're on like a, t- we're like a Tavis Moe career retrospective. Yeah, I don't know yeah. how this We happened. could do a podcast on this. Yeah. Um, an obscure Welsh again, scrum halves. Again, even if you people want to be... Want to have that shoved on their ears as they're walking to HMV in Australia. So, yeah, so... Should we talk about the game itself? Yeah, we've not. We're half an hour in. We haven't what's... mentioned the game. Wow. Yeah. Actually, no. Right. I'll do my one final point on Gordon Bray, and yeah. we'll get this out of the way. Right. I don't. You caught this. <laughs> I couldn't quite believe what I heard at one particular line out as he gives the knot straight. Okay. Okay. Did you hear that? No, what did he say? Let's, let's, let's play that again. He's a tough fucker, Steve Walsh. He's a tough fucker, Steve Walsh. Yep, he seems to. 
and he kind of stumbles over like the, the between the U and the C. Because so you can't hundred percent style it out, right? Yeah, but he doesn't apologize or anything. There's no like, there's none of the apologies from you know the slip of my language. He just rolls on with yeah. it as if nothing happened. It reminds me of because on the flip side, the time when it was the year after this, and the Springboks played against the Pumas mm. in Argentina, and it was I think Pat Lambie. Uh, kicked the ball right. really low and it just skims over the top of Steve Walsh's gorgeous hair and then you can hear Steve Walsh <laughs> yes. on the ref mic really loud going oh shit like that <laughs> he was a sheer icon yeah okay. I remember hearing a story about there was a Tong and Tai had played in like the 91 World Cup I think I know Fuka. Going. yeah um, yeah and there was apparently that all the BBC commentary team were told just to avoid saying his name um, and so I, I can't remember who it was but there was Someone then deliberately dropped him in a thick Scottish accent, so it sounded Didn't like... Didn't he get sent off? Wasn't that it? The, yes, they just yes, called it him was... Tongan Tighthead or Game. Then he gets sent off yeah. and someone just goes, oh, silly fucker. Like that. <laughs> yeah. Which is a great punchline yeah. to that bit. Right, we're half an hour in now. We yeah, can talk about it. the rugby. Yes, we've unlocked the ability rugby. to talk about rugby. Um, so. so, Wales win 81-7. So they, they do all right, don't they? Yeah, pretty good. They've... Uh, they score some tries where they do yep. some rugby's. Should we should we just go through some of the tries? Twelve in the tries, half? twelve tries in all for Wales. Yeah, sure. So Alid Brew scores a try very early on, where Bradley Davis offloads to him, and it's just well, yeah. Nice. We didn't mention Alid Brew was playing. Oh yeah, we got two caught up in Tavis Noyle. Like it's it's like a wonderland of average rugby players for the Welsh region from the noughties or that that late noughties who had a patch of form. You know, like yeah. Tavis Noyle, I mean, Alid Brew, Lloyd Burns, Burns was Craig he was Mitchell. a bricklayer 18 months ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All of these players were were players who were regional standard players who had a patch of form somewhere in the late noughties and managed to get into the Welsh team from there. Yeah. Ryan Bevington, same story. Yeah. Andy Powell had a stretch of form that stretched into the Welsh team. You know, he yeah. had a great stretch of form for the Blues and then managed to continue it for Wales. <laughs> kind of almost an exception. Yeah. Yeah, he was a character. Yeah, it's it's a kind of mad... Like, it's a really nostalgic-looking Wales team, and there's a lot of players that anyone who doesn't watch the Pro 14 will have forgotten completely. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, Alad Bruce scores a try. I don't want to get too sidetracked yeah. until... You know, we'll get sidetracked again later. And basically, Wales, you can see, are probably looking to try and start the bonus point in the first half. They don't quite manage yeah. to do that in the end. Falatau scores Wales' third try on the 17th minute. At which point, you can tell that this is... By the way, Toby Falatau is 20 years old during this match. Yeah. Uh, and this World Cup, I guess. But you can tell that this match is a bit too easy for him. Because like he kind of gets the ball and dissects two Namibian players and just kind of goes over very easily. And he, he isn't really expecting to score from that opportunity. No. But, yeah. And then Namibia managed to hold out Wales until half-time. So, that's... You know, they do a lot better to get back into that. Yeah. They suddenly start getting a bit of the ball and they start, you know, Kotzer starts doing his thing and Yankees as well at Scrum Half. They they do the kind of shithouse keeping them out of it, like keeping the score down thing. Sure. And there's not, they have one good chance, but there's not that much great rugby from Namibia. No. But I quite enjoyed watching how they went about it to say they yeah, were 22 sure. points down. Well, the back row really stood out for... The back row really stood out for Namibia. <laughs> one of the great mysteries of the game. Mm. Tinas Duplessis, do you want to talk about him now or later? 
Um, we might as well touch on him. Team Super C, I did think, had a good game. Yes, he did. Okay. Got a good he turn. is the Namibia 6. Normally, I would be more infused about this, but for the fact that he completely inexplicably was given Man of the Match. <laughs> yeah. His team lost 81-7, right? His contribution was that he made... To be fair, he made 19 tackles, which is very impressive. Yeah. I'd say, like, he was... Oh, he was very good, yeah. Very good. He was very good. But... You do kind of go, Scott Williams scored a hat-trick. Like, yeah. Bradley Davis was absolutely... You know, we'll get onto the man of the match contenders sure. later on. But, I, like... I also think that Tina Duplessis was the second best member of his team's back row. I think Jacques Berger was yeah. absolutely everywhere. And Jacques Berger was brilliant. Honestly, Jacques Berger might have been the best player on the pitch. And, like, not to sort of completely go against you just saying, yeah, his team lost 81-7. I'm very aware of that. He's one man in 15, you know. But... And also, there's something about... Because Jacques Berger is that inspirational type cap. He's the captain. Sure. In that way, when Godse got man of the match against New Zealand, yeah. it was sort of in honour of the whole Georgian team. Yeah. And then really standing up. And, like, Godse was brilliant. But there was something of... Because he's the captain, he's the nominee yeah. know, for this award. Uh, and because he's the talismanic leader, he's the one player on that Georgian team a lot of people knew the names Absolutely, of. Absolutely, yeah. He was the, you used to talk to all those All Blacks fans, God God, they were the one player they knew. For that, sure. You know. There's something of that with Jacques Berger, in that he is this talismanic leader. He's the one player that plays in Europe here, pretty much other than, obviously, two-time Ivy Try the Anomaly, Chris Underbotis, having his spell of Exeter just after this. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah and... <laughs> And also, he has that hair, and he has that kind of quite iconic look. And you know when you can see Jacques Berg when he gets involved. Yeah, he stands out you know? quite a lot, doesn't he? But he yeah. did kill a couple of overlaps. There was one where Gethin Jenkins had the ball. I think there was one with Jonathan Davis where... Almost guaranteed try if Gethin's got the ball. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're nearly there. We're nearly ready to talk about that. So yeah, no, Jacques Berg had a very, very good game. In fact, yeah, why, do, why don't we move on to um, the next... The first try after half-time. When Namibia kicked the ball okay. out of play, Andy Powell takes a quick throw in, which he looks we have really we have quickly in. before before we move on. Yeah, just a couple of things I want to pick up on the first half while we're going through it. Yeah, a Scott Williams's first try, which is very nice. Yeah, because it does. I think this game and the following game, or the, these kind of run of three games of Namibia, Fiji, and Ireland, yeah, are probably the best rugby Wales played under Gatland. Yeah, yeah, like the best attacking rugby. Yeah, the most attractive rugby. I guess. Yeah. Because it was, they were winning games playing quite nice rugby. Yeah. In a way they didn't, you know, when you look at the rest of their career, rest of Gatlin's career of Wales, they would win games, but they did not play nice rugby. No. Every now and again, they score a nice try kind of by default, just because there was space somewhere. Because the good players, yeah. Yeah. But they were playing with actual flair in this game, and yeah. it kind of comes from the off. There's obviously 10 minutes of softening them up. Then Scott Williams scores, I think, eight minutes in. Yeah. And it's a lovely drive from 60-odd metres. You know, Lee Halfpenny's fantastic. Yeah, we know about Halfpenny, Scotty yeah. Brown's someone. Scott Williams, at this point as well, had played like four games for the Scarlets. Yeah, he was very inexperienced. Because he was called into the Welsh squad for the Six Nations. He was called up, uh, having played one game for the Scarlets. Mm-hmm. He played a couple of times at the end of the season. Yeah. After getting into the Wales team and playing against the Barbarians. And then, yeah, from there, went on to be really good against the Barbarians. Squeezed his way into the squad because Gavin Henson got injured. Yeah. And the rest is history. Like, it was... When he when Scott Williams scores his try, he looks so happy. Yeah, he's elated. Isn't and he? first, it's, try for yeah, Wales. first try for Wales, yeah. first start for Wales, and he looks over the moon. And it's great to see him a happy and b not injured because I'm <laughs> not used to seeing either of those things lately. Yeah, no, of course. And it's just cool thinking that he this this kid's like six months away from scoring the winning try, twicking him like. Yeah, and there was something yeah. of that about Scott Williams at the time before he went for all the injury hell and the being dropped as captain and so on. 
when he was, he was at the time, what, 20 years old? Yeah. 21, maybe? As I say, he'd been playing for Wales in his 20s the previous year. He'd then come in pretty much out of nowhere. No one knew who he was. He was kind of very much like this little village kid from, you know, small town in Carmarthenshire. Yeah. And out of nowhere was suddenly scoring tries for Wales at the World Cup, where they were playing fantastically well. And there was something really inspirational and sort of, not moving, but lovely about seeing him do that. Yeah, like I fun. really enjoyed watching Scott Williams in this game and yeah, in for sure. the rest of the tournament. Yeah, because he was he was just sort of a young kid who would who was quick, who was willing to take people on, sort of thing. And that was kind yeah. of his identity in the Wales team at this point. And it was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Uh, however, fleet-footedness brings us on yes. to Gethin Jenkins. Oh. Go on. Okay, so so let's start right at the beginning. I think you've gone you've gone too far back. Okay. Where was scored the fourth try? Yeah. Okay. And immediately off comes Sam Warburton. He's hauled off, you know. Scott Williams scores a second try, which is a really shit try. It um, is, isn't it? Where Four like, three Namibians go in to make a... Yeah, they make a big hit on him, kind of stop him dead, and all of them think, oh, this guy will bring him to ground, and just let him go, and he just walks straight through to the try line. Terrific. Uh, Alan Wynn gives him a little shove as he goes. Yeah. So, yeah, so where's got that try? Instantly, Sam Warburton comes off, and on comes the man, the myth, the legend, Andy Powell. Yeah. Andy Powell, moment he comes on, first involvement, line out. Takes the line out. Drops it off the top. Lovely ball. Wales crash it up in the middle because Gatlin ball. And then they work it wide. And who should be out wide but Andy Powell himself? Again. Powell takes the man. He offloads. Bam. Wales spread it out. Lee Halfpenny out on the wing. Puts in a lovely little smart little kick that he'd never do nowadays. Chases it himself. Manages to catch, uh, I think it's Darmes, who's opposite, who's chasing back, covering. Yeah. And... Namibia then get no none of their forwards get back. They've got no blockers in place. The ball kind of spills out, and Yankees, the scrum half, is only able to box kick kind of straight up in the air. It lands. He managed to get a pretty decent distance on it. It lands just shy of the ten yard line, and from there, Wales take a quick throw to Jonathan Davis. What happens next? Jonathan Davis performs this lovely switch move with a man, a loose head prop. Named Gethin Jenkins, who's for Wait, some no, it's a fly off. It's a fly off. A fly off. Yeah, who yeah. is in the backfield for some reason? Like, why is he in the backfield? <laughs> no, okay. If you look at it, and I went back and watched this again because you can never get enough of this. No, because it's played quite quickly. Gethin is lazy, and he's involved in the lineup and, and then kind of just hovered about. 
Yeah. Exactly. He's coming back from injury. And also, because he's Geffen, he fancies himself as being great at everything. I was going to say, he needs to tell a fullback how to do his job. <laughs> exactly. The infamous chip into the corner against Argentina. Yeah. From 45 metres when he perfectly dinks it into the corner five metres out. Yeah. He fancies himself as a fullback. He fancies himself as every single position. Yeah. And this was his go at showing counter-attacking is really And easy. we've all heard stories from the likes of like Nicky Robinson and so on about the things he says to fly halves when they're not quite <laughs> yes. doing their jobs. Or the looks he gives them. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's probably about right that he took on responsibility and did this himself. So he takes the switch pass and mm. he first off steps one of the Namibian backs. <laughs> Yes. Second off, he throws a dummy to no one, which is bought. <laughs> Next, he does a little shimmy inside somebody, I think. And he keeps mm. running. He's, he's found a bit of a hole. He's crossed the 40-meter line. He's crossed the 22. And he's only got, like, four more people to beat until he uh, gets the try line. That, then, then, you know, what happens next? And Geffen, clearly, up until now, has been thinking, I'm going to have a go here. You know, I'm going to give it a shot. And then the moment he's broken through the line and he's well into the 22 and he starts eating up more and more of the ground, you can clearly see it set in on his face of like, oh, I'm going to make it. I'm going to do this. And so he just goes, you know what? No, no more of the tricks. Head down. And he charges. He kind of goes between the two tacklers coming across and straight into, I assume it must be two-time Ivy try the year nominee, Chris Anderbelter, yeah. who's right at fullback, right on the try line. Yeah. He just charges straight into him. And of course, carries him over the line, showing a perfect all-round game. He's been dragging Tynes Kotzer on his back like a backpack for the last like ten meters as well. It's really funny. It's a really like it's it will go down forever on one of the great like prop try compilation yeah. sort of things. It's phenomenal. And because because it's a prop try, because it's a loose head prop scoring a try, obviously two of the three commentators on the World Feed version say That'll be a 60-meter try by the end of the day. Yeah. And like, no, it was. Yeah. It actually was. He scored, he took the ball on the 40-meter line, on the, yeah. He took the the ball with 40 meters to go. That's a bloody long way. That is a long-range try. Yeah, for a winger to score over from one inch. Without needing to pass. Like, let alone for a prop. Yeah, he's basically half, he's ran pretty much half the pitch to score this. And yet, because it's a prop try, two out of the three commentators need to say, need to make the same joke that they always, always make. Yeah. And then after he's scored it, there's a load of the Welsh players are kind of like laughing and coming up to him like, yes, Gethin, yeah, nice one, nice one, and sort of having a laugh about it. And Gethin isn't having it. Yeah. Gethin's like wanting them to like stop giving him like almost like, like they're patronising him, giving him like pity for being a prop. Patronizing. It's like, no, 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 yeah. this is my job. Like, I just do this, you know? And like, he's really yes. like grumpy about the fact people are congratulating him. Like, it's not the norm. Yeah. It's like you wouldn't you wouldn't have reacted like this if if Halfpenny scored. Yeah, exactly. You know, to be fair, if Halfpenny barreled someone over the try line and carried someone with him, they bloody would be. It's like Shane scores tries all the time, and but no that's why Halfpenny isn't the greatest fly halfways I've ever had. True. And then no one celebrated Alid Brew's try, so I guess you know, yeah. maybe just no one liked Alid Brew. Bless him. I hope they do. I hope they, I hope do. they did. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's absolutely glorious. And did you notice what Geffen does next on his next touch after the try? No. He he pops like a one-handed offload out of the back. Like he takes the ball on like a you know like a standard crash up. Of course he does. You know standard like pod system whatever. And he instead transfers it into his other hand and flicks it out the back to to someone running in behind. Of course he does. In like he's popped the cork. Like he's like 
what of it? I'm the best player in the world ever. Yeah. <laughs> and therefore, and I genuinely think there's a good shout out of that. I genuinely think Geffen Jenkins might be the greatest player of all time, pound for pound, the greatest rugby player anyone's ever seen. I don't agree with that, but he was very, very good. I think he might be. Right, he can... Dan Carter could score that try, but he couldn't scrummage. Yeah. Richie McCaw couldn't do either of those things. <laughs> Come at me, bro. Um, I think I think we should move on. No, I yeah no yeah because it is a hell of a five minute period for front row vi- front yeah. fives. Yeah, so there's a point not long after this where George North, as I say, has come onto the field with Reese Priestland, mm. and oh, no, in fact, no, it was just before Priestland North came on. But North come on, and he scores this pretty nice try. He takes a, a short ball and sort of dives over, yeah. uh, like not long after coming onto the pitch, and. It's one of those where it's like, oh, he's too big, he's too fast, he's too strong. Like, this knackered Namibian backline aren't really physically up to stopping him on the gain line. And he'll break through and score tries. Yeah. And so what Namibia think is a good idea straight from the kickoff is, let's just kick it to North. No, 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 no. before you move on from that try. Before yeah. you move on from that, before you, before, before you move on from that try, did you notice Geffen's involvement? No. Okay, so the phase before North scores, Geffen Jenkins has been lying injured in the middle of the pitch for for a few phases. Yes. He's just been lying there and they're kind of, you know, the players worked around him and the referee doesn't call time off because it's Steve Walsh and Jouet Jouet. And then there's a ruck right next to where Geffen's injured and he, he kind of shepherds the, the medic away, gets up, clears out the ruck and then North scores and he goes back down and invites the medic back on. <laughs> oh, hero, hero. Because he is Geffen Jenkins. Yeah. He is magnificent. Yeah, legend. Sorry, okay, so yeah. George North then scores that try. Yeah. And Namibia just decide it's a good idea. Like, let's just kick it to George North again, straight from the kickoff. Yeah. And you're not a really big, quick guy. Yeah. And so he obviously just makes a break straight from there. Does this really weird offload where he sort of mm. does it underneath his left armpit and it somehow comes out on the right hand side to Alan Jones, who loops the ball it's over the top? It's a trick shot, isn't it? It's yeah. a, he's trying to do like one of those like fancy trick shot thing trying to you know like when you're trying to throw a rolled up ball of paper into the bin sure yeah and you do it all fancy like that George North does an offload like that yeah and the ball lands in Alan Jones's hand who loops this pass over the top to Jonathan Davis who scores hmm. and it's a well, really Foxy good try properly throws a dummy here yeah like it's uh he's got men drifting he's got men outside him he's got yeah. Harpenny it's his trademark it outside him in a way yeah one of his trademarks because I'd forgotten about until re-watching this game Foxy's other trademark at the time which was the Foxy Grubber. Mm. The absolutely pointless grubber he used to do all the time that never worked. He used to, whenever on the end of an overlap, he would thread through a really pointless grubber that never worked and always blew the opportunity. And I forgot he had that habit until watching him do it twice in this game. Mm. And yet there was a point when Ryan Jones did a grubber kick which yes. perfectly worked for him, which went about 20 yeah. yards and he dies on it himself. And he just kind of like yeah. doesn't make a show of it at all or anything. But yeah, no, uh, Jonathan Davis scores this try. And so Namibia, from the kickoff, think, okay, okay, how about, change of tactic, we'll kick it to the guy who stood next to George North, who obviously passes to George North, who makes another break from the kickoff. Um, And a bit of time elapses, and then eventually, from a clearance, Namibia ends up kicking to Lee Byrne, who goes most of the way, sidesteps a few people Mm. uh, after a bit of a, sort of them spreading it wide, and then offloads to George North, who scores himself. And so... Namibia then think, okay, 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 we've got this. We'll kick it to the guys just in front of George North, who, you know, they they crash it up, and then Wales give it to George North on second phase, and he makes a break. 
the other thing is, George North is stood in the same place all the time. Yeah. It's not that they're moving about to wherever he happens to be. They just keep kicking to the same spot and thinking, it's going to be better this time. Or they kick must have brew, moved lads. They must... Kick it to brew, lads. Kick it to brew. But they must be trying to double bluff them or something. Think like they'll move, They won't think we're going to do it again. Yeah. They must be not expecting... They're not expecting this one. It's like, no, no, they were. They were. This, unlike the back row, is not one of the true mysteries of the game. <laughs> if you kick to George North, he will make a break. Yeah. If you kick with him and you don't chase and follow up, he's going through. Yeah. However, we have skipped over one of the, and those are all great moments. Yeah. But one of the truly iconic moments of this game. Go on. Which comes just a couple minutes after Geffen's try. As I began to say, it's a great five minute period for type five forwards. Oh, yes. Because we've talked a lot about Wales, but we haven't talked enough about Namibia. And in particular, right. their second row pairing of Nico Esterhazer and Heinz Cole. Yes. So, Wales are in that full, Geffen just scored a wonder try, Jouet Jouet, Steve Walsh's referee, what can possibly go wrong way. They just begin randomly shipping the ball on because there's some space wide. And they're not really looking where they're passing. They've just gone like, there's there's whip there. Let's get it to George. That's, that's what Namibia are doing. We need to take a tactic from their book because it's working well. Stephen Jones does not look where he's passing because where he's passing is straight into Oysterhazen. Yeah. Who is, of course, the Namibia lock. He takes the ball. He intercepts it. And then what? He delivers this lovely offload to Heinz Cole, his second row partner. And Cole, you know what? In this try, Cole has a lovely like running style. He runs like genuinely a bit like an inside center at this point. But even though he looks slightly lost in the broken field, but he looks very good doing it. Uh, but I think it was Danny Van Vake who started on the wing was playing the center at this point. Runs a hard line off him, ready to take the ball and sort of like a switch. Yeah, yeah, ready to yeah. sort of to run the ball in because he's got a lot more pace than Cole. And. Carl instead throws the dummy and runs in behind in an almost crossing but not quite crossing sort of a way, sure. uh, Van Vake. And, I mean, first off, he sells this dummy because Alid Brew, who is covering the Wales backfield, instead of thinking about the fact Carl still has the ball and has just ran behind the man, uh, he has about two or three seconds where he sees Van Vake running towards him and he completely changes his line to just completely body Van Vake into the floor, but also taking himself yes. out the game yeah. in this completely illegal shoulder charge he's just done. And Carl now has nobody in front of him and he runs like 40 metres to score this lovely try. And it, he rounds his man, he runs for the corner and he has a clear... It's one of those where he has a clear run-in, but you're still kind of shouting him on because it's yeah. the second row running 40 metres. Yeah. And we have two type 5 forwards and both of them you know, neither of them are like Richie Grace no. Richie Gray at the time style like Brody Retallics who, who love running in open pastures both of them are like boiler house workhorses yeah. and both of them score glory tries where they throw a dummy and Heinz Carl becomes the first ever Namibian yes. player to score two tries in Rugby World Cups yeah and then there's another record broken from the conversion as Tynes Kotzer, having previously missed two shots at goal, lines up this conversion from the touchline. And of course, he absolutely nails it. Yeah. And that makes him Namibia's record point scorer at the Rugby World Cup. Yeah. As well as breaking their record, which he'd already broken, for a single World Cup. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Speaking of records to do with Namibia at the World Cup. Okay. Scott Williams scores a hat-trick in this game. Mm-hmm. And I did a little bit of research at Namibia at World Cups. So 
as of 2011, as of this game, you know, not including more recent World Cups in 2015 and 19. Okay. How many hat tricks do you think have been scored against Namibia? Uh, so every team in this pool scored one against Namibia. No, every team apart from South Africa because they're rubbish. Oh, of course, South Africa is shit. Aren't yeah. They? Right. Okay. Yeah, I forgot that. No, didn't Bryce Lawrence score a hat trick against them? He was <laughs> South Africa's best player at the World Cup. That's true. That's valid. <laughs> how many players? No, you're very t- right. Yeah. Take a guess. How many players? All World Cups have scored a hat trick against Namibia. So this was their third World Cup. Let's say eight. Nine. Oh, okay. Okay. And for reference, this was their so, first World Cup. They first qualified in 99 and been to everyone since. Of course they have. Of course they have. Yeah, because they... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so hold on. So, Arzana Tuolangi, Scott Williams, yeah. and uh, Nicky Gonover. Yeah. Then, I'm trying to think, was it... Oh, they played Australia in that infamous game where they scored Australia yeah. a billion Australia points. won 142-0. Chris... Yeah. Chris Latham, did he... Chris Latham did. Now, this is my next question I was going to ask. Chris Latham. At Rugby World Cups, can you also, while you're doing this, guess who mm-hmm. the top three try scorers against Namibia are? In so Latham? World Cups. Latham has scored five. He scored five in that game. He scored five in that game. Yeah. Wow. So he's in second place. So who else was in that Australia team at the time? Um, Lottie Takuri? Lottie Takuri scored a hat-trick in that game. Nice. And okay. one more hat-trick okay. in this game. I, like, perfect. One more hat-trick in this game. So, because it's that weird... Um, I'm trying to think who else would have played. I have I've never watched that game, so like, because it's sort of the Sterling Mortlock era where Mortlock's the guy. Yeah. I'll give you a clue. It was a utility back, Matt Gitto. Yes, because Matt Gitto scores a hat trick. Come fly half in this tournament. Yeah. Other players okay. who've scored a hat trick against Namibia include Ugo Mola. Okay, I would not have got him. Nope. And uh, Martin Gaitan, who I don't know, uh, scored a hat trick. Okay, I don't know him. No, not yeah. personally anyway. No, yeah. So, who do you think are the, the first and third top try scorers against Namibia at Rugby World Cups? So, sorry, Latham. Latham second. Latham second with five. You can guess. Well, it'd be third. someone that's. It's not. Is it any of the players I've mentioned so far? Uh, third is a player you mentioned. Takuri. Nope. Gitto. Nope. 2011. Uh, Tulangi. I was on Tulangi. No. Oh, Gonover scored four. Gonover scored four. Of course. Gon- yeah. Gonover scored, scored four. four. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I didn't the top, right. the top try scorer of all time against Namibia at Rugby World Cups is that bastard penalty try. No. Oh, he of has scored it is. seven tries against Namibia at Rugby World Cups, including in that Argentina game I have mentioned. He scored yeah. two tries um, <laughs> in that game. If you're the referee, you can't do that. How right. miserable is that? But I, I looked at this game and saw yeah. penalty tries got two tries. I wonder what they were doing to infringe. And of course, I'm sure one day this podcast will, you know, will go sure. and do 2003 and look at this. However, playing number seven for Namibia that day, Lion Tamer, Skull oh! Van de Merva. So I can only of assume course. he was responsible for at least one, if not both, of those penalty tries. <laughs> he threw Lottie to cure in a lion enclosure. Yeah, and they exactly. just went. Look, mate, it's not in the rules, but we're giving a penalty try. It's the least yeah. we can do. Can He's got bite point. marks in his hands. <laughs> it's like bloody Scott Baldwin all over again. I've also found out that Scott Van der Merwe is capped at inside centre and on the wing as well as flanker. Wow, what yeah. a life that man's led, man. Yeah, 
What Nine a player. tamer, centre, winger, flanker. He can do it all. He's he's just a phenomenon. You know how World Rugby posts those videos where it's like players and they say, he can do it all? Yeah. It's like that where it's like, oh yeah, he can do a big tackle. He can score a try down the wing. He can throw a 17-year-old in a line enclosure. <laughs> and this, they show footage of all of them. He can shrug off prostitutes. By the way, if you have no idea what we're talking about, listen to our episode, which was, who was it? Namibia against South Africa. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We talk about, um, like, about him. Do you know he invited Andrew Majoli to his line demi-sanctuary? Did he? Yeah, yeah, I had I looked this all up. Um, I was reading about this after the episode went out, and I was going to do it on a future Namibia episode, like this one, but I forgot to put those notes together. But yeah, he had Angelina Jolie visited his lion temi century, and there's a photo of the two of them together with a lion. Wow, I'm <laughs> the, the, no bit. This is serious. This yeah, is... this is serious. This is serious. He's like he's mate of Angelina Jolie. Yeah, right. We'll do a deep dive on this when we eventually do like 2003 or yeah. Whatever, oh, he is just the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, I... <laughs> he is. He is. <laughs> The biggest character in rugby, I think. I think, I don't, there's not a story you could attribute to him. Like beating up prostitutes in the hotel and the qualifying match. <laughs> like there's, there's, there's nothing I wouldn't believe. Hero. I've got no idea if he actually beat them up or just intimidated them. Yeah, but, I, I, you know. let's not make allegations here. Let's not. Should we get he, quickly he back? throw a 17 year old in a lion enclosure. Yeah, allegedly. Okay. <laughs> because they allegedly stole the sheep. Yeah. Um, oh, yes. Hero. So, so get quickly back to the game. Sure. So, yeah, Priestland comes on is very good. Yeah. He does this like crossfield kick that's so yes. good. Ryan Bevington outpaces so, uh, somebody to get onto it. But you know, the men out on the wing were Ryan Bevington and Ken Owens winning his first cap. His first cap, Ken yeah. Owens. Really young Ken Owens. Really young looking Ken Owens. It's weird because yeah. I think him having strange. not really aged, but I think he sort of aged very quickly over the first kind of. Like maybe three or four years on from here, and just remained the same since. Yeah, and it was it was a long time coming. Ken's first cap here. Yeah. Like he'd sat on the bench for eighty minutes against France the previous France, year, the previous Nations. year, twenty ten. Yeah, yeah, when Hugh Bennett was having a nightmare throwing into the line out, and they yeah. didn't bring Owens on, uh, and he'd had really good form for the Scarlets up to that, and had finally earned this cap at the Rugby World Cup. Yeah, he'd come through as you know as as a solid player the season before the Lions for yeah. Scarlet's he's come through and then it was when post the 2009 Lions tour they started Ken Owens because Matthew Reese was kind of being rested for a set period post Lions tour because yeah. he's had a you know elongated season and Ken Owens was suddenly incredible and Ken kind of established himself as being this great yeah. player that was very unlucky not to be in the Welsh squad yeah that autumn you know probably should have been he of course won the Magnus League try of the year of course he did oh, yeah. yes well, he's kind of popped up on the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. It was glorious. Yeah. Um, and it kind of feels... Because he spent a long time where everyone felt he should be playing for Wales, and he wasn't. Yeah. And then when he finally started playing for Wales, you, there was a long period where people felt he should be first choice, and he wasn't. Yeah. And so the fact that he's now been first choice for about five years, yeah. and he's Wales' he's most capped cap it's kind of... Yeah. 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 Kind of all feels very deserved, and I'm very glad it's worked out the way it has yeah, for him. Very happy for him, and he looked yeah. like he was having a lot of fun playing for Wales. Finally, like yeah. he's obviously dreamt of this being the most Welsh man in existence uh, to finally get the opportunity to do it, and now he's Wales' most capped hooker. So yeah. you can't not be happy and for him, can you? I don't think people from outside Wales quite appreciate how well loved Ken is. Yeah, he's he's because he is a national say, treasure. He is. He's the Welshest man in the world. I've heard stories about his dad as well, who is who is a, a big character. Yeah. He's 
he's he's he is he's genuinely one of the most beloved men in the country because he's sort of he's this weird wholesome presence in a kind of bastardy way yeah he's wonderful everyone loves ken and it, it's so good to see him even as a wee boy winning his first cap yeah i just was happy for him the whole time he was i on. was yeah and bevington as well who kind of had this weird career because he was always talked about as one for the future and then this was his this was his bit you know yeah this yeah. this weird burst of form when he was like 22, 23, which for a loose head prop is weird. That doesn't happen very yeah. often for loose heads. Yeah. So we'll just quickly finish off the Welsh tries. Lloyd Williams yeah. scores from a dominant scrum from like 10 yeah. metres Andy out. Andy Powell, great offload. Puts yeah. him in the corner. Uh, Lee Burns scores from the... It's a really lovely try where Priestland yeah. really like brings so much shape to the Welsh back line. And Byrne passes half and he offloads back to Byrne. And it's really nice finish of that yeah. score. And Byrne spends the whole time as they're celebrating it afterwards, just <laughs> almost apologising to Halfpenny and kind of yeah. rubbing him and thanking him because Halfpenny played really well and was everywhere and seemed to be involved score. in so many tries, yeah, and just didn't score. Because yeah. he's on this long run of not scoring tries. Mm. Despite being a really prolific try scorer, he then, in 2011, just had a run of games with the Cardiff Blues where he was very good still and yeah. he had a run of injuries as well. Yeah, where he was just he was injured and he was playing and he was da 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 but he, or he was playing well, but he just wasn't scoring. Yeah, and it felt like there was some sort of curse here that he was so many times in great try scoring opportunities, and he was the one giving the final pass. Yeah, for sure. And it's like it was quite strange seeing you know the sprightly young lad that is Lee Halfpenny. He was a, just a very quick winger who can sometimes yeah. boot a ball over from sixty yards, and thinking, yeah, this guy's going to become fullback soon. Yeah, we also had a version of this conversation earlier, but a I think Lee Halfpenny is massively underrated generally these days. Yeah, again, agreed. And I think he's he's a a lot of people kind of are kind of overly nostalgic about this period of his career when he was a really quick winger, as you say, who occasionally booted them from yeah. 60 metres. I I think he's such a better player nowadays. No and I don't just mean it's not I don't just mean by 2013 20, to 2015, that kind of peak period of his career. I mean, yeah. like 2020. Yeah, and agreed. the form he's been in since the lockdown restart has been it's phenomenal. phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Um, and, like, and no one's talking. No one's talking about how great he is. A skill people that... are still. A skill that is really underrated of Halfpenny's is like people don't sort of um, talk about this in rugby as much as they do in football, but like people's mm. sort of speed off the ball rather than just on the ball. Yes. And Halfpenny's yeah. is phenomenal. Like because he's not always sprinting in tries from 60 metres, that doesn't mean he's slow. Like yeah. the amount of space he covers, because like when somebody, when Andre Pollard kicks the ball at you, the ball travels very fast. Mm. And Halfpenny like has the ability to cover a lot of space on a rugby field and yeah. he's better than most fullbacks of the world at that. Oh, anyone else. Only Rob yeah. Carney's anywhere close to him yeah. in terms of Villy the Rue, Ben Smith, very, very good. But I think Halfpenny and Carney are the two best at covering the backfield sure. and marshalling it I've ever seen. Yeah. And it's such an it's become such an important skill over the last three or four years since yeah. that kind of Andy Farrell fourteen man press came in. Yeah. I think he's absolutely vital. And yeah. I think he's he's wonderful and a great all rounder player. And he was fantastic back in this period and back, you know, the the two years before where he was first by for Wales and he was, you know, scoring those two tries for the, the Blues winning the EDF Energy Cup. Remember that? Yeah. Where I first I first picked up on Freddie Burns being a geezer that game. Oh, uh, wow. Post-match, Freddie Burns comes out and says, we just weren't good enough. We, we were just, it like, I think he was about to say, like, we were shit. And then he corrects himself because <laughs> we were very bad. Uh, and it always stuck with me because... Normally, players went, "Oh, you know, we stopped us. It just wasn't our day, or whatever." Yeah. But he was just like, "No, we were just we were rubbish, yeah. and like we need to be better. They're a better That's team right. than us." And I was yeah. like, "I like this lad. I like Freddie Burns, and he turns out to be the biggest geezer fly off in the world." Yeah, he's a legend. We love the video Burns. from speaking Japanese. What a guy! What a yeah. guy! Have you not seen that? 
No, I don't think so. There's a great video of him because he's just arrived in Japan. There's a great video of him speaking Japanese. Uh, really awkwardly, but he's clearly really learnt it. Love Freddie Burns. Anyway, course, this is completely off track. As, as, as this episode goes out, it will be Friday before Wales mm. play Ireland, and Billy Burns is on the bench for Ireland to get his debut, and Freddie yes. Burns has said that he's as soon as the pub's open, he's going to go and get pissed, um, <laughs> ready to see his brother make his debut. So yes. by the time you're listening to this, Freddie Burns will be a few pints in, which is great to know. I love that. So, yeah, uh, I think, is there one of... Oh, we haven't mentioned... Scott Williams' third try, which is fine. It's just a good finish in the yeah, 22. Yeah, he on nicely. Yeah. Given Scott Williams a lot of credit in this. Alan yeah, Jones and Alan Jones. a lovely try. Well, I say a lovely try. It's a drive-over try where somebody tries to take him by the neck and he just kind of goes, no, if you're going to do that, if that's your attitude, you're coming with me. And he grabs the ball in the process. Yeah. There is a moment in this game, actually, where Steve Walsh gives a penalty for a high tackle. It's like in 2011, the amount of high tackles we've seen let go, and Steve, yeah. Steve Walsh of all people gives one. Yeah. Uh, it was on Lee Byrne, it was incredible, I couldn't quite believe it. But yeah, Alan takes his try well, you know, Alan very good throughout the game. Yeah. Which I think is one way of leading us on to the closing segment. So, I've said my dick of the day, my dick of the day is Gordon Bray for thinking that Tavis Noyle's father is Bryn Moore Williams. Who's your dick of the day? Yeah, so, I think that's not a bad shout at all, and also for just swearing. Yeah. I. Okay, so I had a couple of really strong contenders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of which is very much times Cots have repeatedly kicking to George North. And I think. I love him, but I think he has got to be my dick of the day for that. Okay. And that's been in my head the whole time. One of them has to be the IRB for playing this four days after Namibia's previous game. Yeah. Which is genuinely just unfair. Yeah. And I had someone else as well, but I have completely forgotten it. My other nomination was Steve Walsh for giving a penalty for squeeze ball in a Rugby World Cup match. <laughs> like, Incredible. It it becomes legal at like under 16's level. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Do you know what? Okay, the other thing. Steve Walsh, the Italy-Russia game that we talked about before. We didn't mention this because yeah. I didn't know it until here. Uh, Steve Walsh was due to be the touch judge for that game, but he pulled out the morning of the match ill. Reed hung over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've all heard that one before. Knowing his reputation, Steve Walsh saying his words were apparently, I'm under the weather. We all know Which what that could means. mean, I'm, I'm very hung over right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, man of the match. Um, man of the match. Sure, okay. Again, I think there's quite a few contenders. Oh, the other dick of the day contender is yeah. uh, Lloyd Burns, because I did not remember this, but he was shite. Was he? He was bad. He kept he kept giving me penalties and just knocking the ball on all the time. And every time, yeah, he was just, and he seemed to just oh, be fuming with really everyone. Good. So did I. And I was, it was one of those like ant finger moments of, wow. of him just being like, oh, he was bad. Right, okay. And then Ken comes on and the wood is all right and the wood is perfect and lovely. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, so, anyway, man of the match. Again, I think the Namibian back row are very good. Yeah, but, um, and I think Lloyd Williams and Andy Powell are both excellent when they come on. I think they're both fantastic once they come off the bench. Preston only plays about 10 minutes, but I thought he was good as well once he came on. George North, obviously. However, at the time, I remember thinking my man of the match was Jonathan Davis. I remember thinking he was the best player. I'm watching it live back in back at 7 a.m., 
in it was a half seven kickoff. Of course, yeah. No, this is. I'm just going to quickly touch on this actually because yeah. you were in sixth form, so you were okay. But I had yeah. to get to school so midway through the second half, mm. and I was late for registration because Ken Owens had just come on. I was really buzzing about it, so um, <laughs> uh, I was I was late into school on this day because of Ken. So no, I think I I, I think we left together. I think we left oh, at the same time. Yeah, but yeah, no, it was it was because I think I then watched the last twenty minutes on. On one of the computers in school. Right, okay, yeah. Because I didn't have to be in registration, but I had to be in for a lesson like like 10 minutes later. Yeah. So I was able to watch the last 10 minutes, but there was a period that I skipped. And then we all yeah. watched back in the evening, I remember. We'd recorded it. And, yeah. Yeah, watched it back, everyone. Yeah. Yes, so Falatau, obviously excellent whenever he was involved. Yeah. But I... I was kind of... I'm kind of torn on my man of the match, and I know where I probably have to give it. Because I think the best player on the pitch, weirdly, and I didn't see this one coming, was Bradley Davis. He was great, yeah. He was absolutely everywhere. He was throwing offloads. He was getting involved. He was throwing passes. He was popping up on everything. He did absolutely everything. Played 80 minutes. Was fantastic. So I, I feel like he should be... He is my man of the match. But also, I think I'm going to give the man of the match award to Gaffin Jenkins. Uh, because... rude not to. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't I couldn't not reward Gaffin Jenkins for the finest moment in the history of rugby union. Much like why I gave Hunter Pomey Dick of the Day last week. It's obligation. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's kind of it's our civil duty. Yeah, no, that's entirely fair. In terms of my man of the match, uh, mm-hmm. I have also written down Jacques Berger. I think he was mm-hmm. just absolutely everywhere. Like him coming off the line killed so many Welsh attacks. Yeah, he was great. Yeah. I think George North had a great impact when he came on and, you know, set up so many tries, scored a couple himself. Uh, Ruth Priestland, likewise, I know he only played like 15 minutes, but my God, he was good. Um, Like the depth that he brought to that line was outstanding. And yeah, yeah. Falatau, as I say, it seemed too easy for him. He didn't play as much of the game. Again, I know I've just named two substitutes, but yeah, Falatau was was brilliant. Scott Williams, Gethin Jenkins, again, great for try scoring. But my man, the match is Alan Wynne-Jones. Uh, I think similar to what you're saying about Bradley Davis that he was comfortable wherever he was in the team he was put whether he was put sort of in the back line or whether he was doing tight carries he looked so comfortable and making tackles and everything and just it's very typical of Alan Jones to just be really hungry no matter what the score is or who the opposition is so my man the match is Alan Jones I can't argue with that I figured it was one on the second rows for me yeah because I didn't think about Alan but I thought Bradley Davis I should probably but then I went for Geffen because I had to go for Geffen sure so that brings us through this game however this match does of course mean we see off namibia and we see them home yeah. and so welcome to um welcome to the namibia goodbye party i was trying to play atmosphere by russ abbott but it wouldn't play. Apple Music won't let me play Russ Abbott. I think that's for I the like best. a party with an atmosphere. I, I think <laughs> yeah, I think, probably I think that worked out. To stop people doing it to themselves. Woohoo! I know that's not the lyrics. I've just Googled what the national language is in Namibia so we could say bye to them. And their national language is okay. English. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> we have to say goodbye to Namibia. Keep, keep the music rolling if you want. Absolutely. They're... Uh, if I'm going to nominate their best players in this World Cup to say, a quick, you know, thanks to them. Jack Berger, mm-hmm. obviously. Two-time IB Triathlon yeah. nominee, Christander Boto, was great. And one other player who I didn't really see play outside this World Cup, but looking back on this, I remember at the time really liking him, was Danny Van Veek. Yes. Yeah. I think he had a really good World Cup. No, oh, agreed. I mean, it's... As we've said, Jacques Berger is very much their 
they're absolute talismanic man. Um, you know, he is he is he is that team in many ways. And he's one of those players that often you'll have commentators will only talk about one player over and over again. Um sure. and in this case it was kinda justified that yeah. he was so much better than the rest of that team. Bless yeah. them. Oh Tyus um, Cox was the one. However, you know, my favourite player oh Tyus Cotza, I was gonna say Tyus Cotza stands as my favourite, one of my favourite players of all time, frankly. Um yeah. because he played like a like the proper shit out of laugh I'd want to inspire. Like if I was running a team, if I was whatever, if I was a DOR somewhere, I would have signed him instantly off the back of this World Cup. Yeah. And he went off um, a bit in the curry cup, but he didn't really get the I think it's criminal how little right. pro rugby he ended up playing because he's such a good player. Yeah. But um yeah. to quickly nominate, you know, because I'm trying to remember what dick of the days we've had for Namibia. Mm. I think that uh, Jacques Nivenhouse's attempted throw in against Fiji probably would make him the Namibian dick of the tournament uh, for oh, me. Oh, of course, yeah. But, um, I'll quickly have a look if there's any Namibian dick of the days. There must be. Um, I mean, yeah, Jacques Nivenhouse. Uh, Times Cops has man of the match, but not dick of the day. Okay, no, that's fine. Yeah, so he is yeah. the only Namibian who's been nominated for a dick of the day. Oh, fair play. So, fair play. And, you know. Just pause the music a sec. Okay, F- one final thing from me, speaking of Namibia. Chad Plato is so nearly on Zebra's books. Like, the mm. the chain of tweets which surrounds... At Plato Chad on, on Twitter... There's a massive chain of tweets where people have responded to his only tweet, which is a response to Sky Sports Premier League with a full stop. But and we've all done it. You know, Sam Lana's done it. Lineberg Rugby have done it. You've done it. I've done it. And like a load of other hmm. people have done it. And we've decided. If, we said at the time, if the tweet gets to 25, Chad Plato has signed for Zebra, and that's just yeah. non-negotiable. Yeah. Uh, a few people <laughs> have made the mistake, and even since we brought this up, since made the mistake of just replying to Chad Plato's tweet. Don't do that. Don't reply to Chad mm. Plato's tweet. Reply to whatever the last tweet is on the, t- the train. And I guarantee you, you'll have like 20 people like your tweet because we'll all get a notification from it. And we'll, we'll all be buzzing <laughs> yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, you've guaranteed it's like a walk-in, some likes. Have we checked with Zebra whether they're okay with this? No, it doesn't matter. We'll do it. We'll okay, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who's Zebra's coach? I was going to say Michael Bradley, but I don't think it is anymore. No idea. I'm not checked with Chad either, obviously. <laughs> no, obviously. No, no, no. He'll be fine with it. You know, he's yeah, still playing in like it's Namibia or whatever. Man. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think you, you just need to definitely go ahead and join. Oh, shut up. <laughs> nice. There you go. There you go. There's the joke. It didn't quite work as smoothly as I tried to time it well and it had some buffering. Um,. We do not have a PRS license, but I'm not going to complain about that. Um, I'm going to be very quiet. Look, if Steven Nicks wants to sue um, us, then we've got 17 lawyers. What if he did? What if he did? Yeah, absolutely. And Eddie Oxford and Miles Apollo might be one of them. Did you just call Stevie Nicks he? What did I say? You said, what if he did? Yeah, I did. No, I was referring to Fleetwood <laughs> Mac. Oh, I was referring to, he, you know, Mac. He. Yeah, Fleetwood um, Mac, Mac yeah. yeah. His name is Mac, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Mac, the, Mac Fleetwood. Bit, the Mac bit of Fleetwood Mac's name is named after a woman. No, 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 no. No, okay. Mac's a boy's name. Oh, okay. We all know enough. this. Okay. No, it's a jacket. Like, it's a jacket. We all know Fleetwood Mac is a jacket. It's a jacket potato, made of wood. Jacket potato, yeah. 
No, it's a it's like a Mac. It's like a Kagool, but it's made of it's made We've of wood. We've been going on for too long. It's really here, really fleeting. But it was good of Fleetwood Mac to turn up and headline the Namibian leaving party. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We wanted Carly Rae to come, but he didn't want to do it. Nice. Yeah. Nice. We bloody get Cool and the gang in, and they're not even headlining. They just came yeah. and played that. Like they came and did that. You could you couldn't see it because you know. So for Zoom in it, but if you're listening, Will here could see Cool and the gang came into my flat despite lockdown yeah. and played most of that song until you said stop the music. I always thought they're all going home now and they're packing up and leaving. They've been here all afternoon. I had to keep making them cups of tea. It's fine. It's fine. We, we've got more lawyers than them, so. We can win any. Is that how is that how court works? It's how court you need works. the most. It's like advance wars. It's like it's, how many little soldiers yeah. do you have? It's like you know winning seats in a political party. You know, it's a similar exactly. sort of thing to that. That we've just we've just found the ability to pay that many lawyers that we'll just be sound. We can do whatever we want. I'm actually yeah. like naked in public while I record this podcast. Yeah. So you're yeah. I mean, you're just in the street putting headphones on people with your cock out. Yeah, exactly. And it's in, we're in national lockdown, man. I've just robbed Tesco as well. Like, I've just got, like, Whoa. six TVs in the, uh, over the course of this podcast. But it was, guess what? Like, the, the police, police were so... The police were so confused, like, including herself, Sting, um, were so <laughs> confused when they said, anything you say can and will be used against you. And you said... I think Tina Super C had a great game. <laughs> They're like, he's got us. How do we use that against him? Oh, what a podcast. Much agreed. Much, much agreed. We were hoping to have a guess at this one, but it all fell through. Yeah. Um, so you've had to make do with whatever this has been instead. So much great apologies for that. We are next. Oh, man. Man, I almost don't want to tell you the result the next one, but you'll, you'll know anyway. The next game is Calendar Against Japan, which is a banger. It is a banger. It is a great game of rugby union. Again, I believe it's all on YouTube. It should all be on YouTube. Yeah. You should be able to watch that if you like. Proper Rugby World Cup match. Great game. I rewatched quite a lot of it for the Japan video I did quite recently. Mm. So I'm able to go back on it again. But yeah, it's it's a proper game. Well, it's like I really enjoyed this Namibia game, but I think I enjoyed yeah. it because I... I like Wales. Both sport Wales, yeah. yeah. Watch them win. So, yeah. and I quite like seeing nostalgic old Welsh faces of either really young sure. Ken Owens or seeing Tavis Noel and Ali Brew. Yeah. So, thank you on behalf of me to all of the Tavises in the world, all three of you in Wales, and any anybody who has been forced to listen to this. Uh, we're, we're talking to the employers now, making sure that all the Tavises hear this. Mm. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Thank you very much. To to you, Tavis. Yeah. And to you, Tavis. And to you... T- How many did you say there were? Three. It, three in Wales. Three in Wales. That's fine. Yeah, we've done those already. We already found yeah. them. How many in the world? Because we're there's, there's international. Like a, a, several thousand. Right, we better get cracking then. And you, Tavis. 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 If, if and all you, Tavis. the Tavises put a full stop on Chad Plato's tweet, he'd be playing for, like, Toulouse by now. Yeah. <laughs> And you, Tavis, and you, Tavis, and you, Tavis, and you. And we just need to. We need to get through the Tavises. Yeah. Again, the lawyers said that we need to. We need to thank all the Tavises, and Tavis, and Tavis, and to you in particular, Tavis. Um, I'll I'll see you next time for and to you, Tavis. for calendar against and Japan. Uh, but also to to you, Tavis. I'll see you afterwards, and to you, Tavis, and to you, Tavis, and to you, Tavis, 
and indeed, even, even to you, Tavis. Thank you very much, Tavis. I'll see you next time, Tavis. And also you as well. Bye, Tavis. Tavis. Cool. And Tavis. And Tavis. And Tavis. And Tavis. And see. And Tavis. And Tavis. And Tavis. <laughs> Let me end this goddamn episode. And Tavis. 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 Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.